country music does so much to celebrate the American South. We've got everything from Dolly Parton's Tennessee Mountain Home. To Johnny Cash's old Kentucky home. Oh, the sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. I keep them hard times away from my door. And of course. Sweet home, but it may be that the next great country artist is going to come not from Tennessee or Texas or Alabama but from Southwest Michigan. A lot of this whole Americana stuff in the last kind of 10 years, I'd say, maybe even a little longer, has been based around Appalachia. I just don't really know much about all that. I do I do think the mountains are pretty, you know, but uh, I didn't live there and I don't know there. This is my version of that. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Allegan County native Myron Elkins just released his debut major label album. It's called Factories, Farms, and Amphetamines. And it's an ode to the Midwest that doesn't shy away from some of the darker sides of life in a rural factory town. Myron joined us to talk about the album and the time that he spent producing it in Nashville. He signed with Electra Low Country Sound in 2021, and he since moved to Nashville to further his career in music. Before that, Myron was working as a welder in Otsego, and he hasn't quite let go of the job. So I kept it until we went to record, and I'm still in contact. I, I feel like I always need my foot in that door just in case uh, I ever have to run away. <laughs> is, that, is that your parents talking, saying, keep the, keep the day job, kid? Uh, not, not really. The thing with music is it's kind of, it never really has felt like a job job, you know, and it just, it really messes with me because the way I brought up my, my whole world, you see, um, you go to work Saturday and Sundays and Friday nights. That's when you don't have to work, you know, so it's just like a subconscious thing. I think in the back of my head always that I just need to be able to um, be ready for this thing to fall apart. I'm not saying it's fragile at the moment, but it's almost in my DNA, I think. Do you remember the moment when you realized, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up the welding spurs for a little while and do this? Do you remember when that moment came to you? Yeah, yeah. I, was, um, I took over my great-grandma's house. She passed a while ago, and I was in the kitchen. I think it was 2021, um, like January. I got told that uh, we're going to sign with Electra, and the whole kind of reality of they're going to pay me money to put my thoughts and music onto an album it was surreal it still is because I, I just never thought of this being real you know yeah yeah I mean I don't know if this is necessarily true in every single part of the county but in in a lot of small towns there's a great premium placed on folks who who stay and and stick it out and try to do what they do there um, did you feel did you feel any of that within yourself as you were trying to figure out next steps for you in the band? Uh, not really. So we uh, our plans were to stay up there because that's where everybody was in the band. Uh, we recorded with kind of all the guys from up north there: Caleb, Stampfler, Avery Whitaker, uh, Ricky LaDuke. and um, 
when we got back, about a year went by and this album still wasn't released. And uh, our drummer and my cousin Ricky, he decided he was going to uh, go another way. And that's when I was like, well, I'm to the point where I'm so obsessed with this thing. It's going to be hard to let go. So I'm going to go to Nashville. I want you guys to follow me. And just so we have the personnel to play, you know, um, up there was just kind of kind of slim pickings a little bit down here. There's a lot of people that are just like us who will do and drop anything in order to create. For sure. There's a line in uh, the song's called Wrong Side of the River, and there's a line in it that goes, I was born on the wrong side of the river, but raised on the right side of the road. What do those two things look like for you in Otsego? Ah, uh, so there's um the Kalamazoo River goes through Otsego, and on one side is the neighborhood, the other side's for the paper mills, and um that's where I lived. I lived up where the paper mills were, right next to them, and we have a a street that's kind of it's not slummy, but it doesn't look the greatest. And it was my grandma, my great grandma, and my mom and dad, and we kind of all lived next to each other, and. That was kind of like our little spot down there, mm -hmm. tucked in with all the uh, kind of ruffians. I always thought it was kind of funny how it's not the good side of town, but what we made of it was special. For sure. You produced this album with a Grammy-winning producer named David Cobb. He's one of those people who's worked with just about everyone, from the Oak Ridge Boys all the way forward to Sturgill Simpson and the High Women. He's had his hands on the creation of a whole lot of music that people would know, both older and not so old. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really cool that he kind of he paid his dues, got his, got his uh, bag, I guess, and now he's working with these legends like Barry Gibbs and Slash. He did a record with Slash, and just it's like, wow, it's really cool, and he's a great guy. What's a day in the studio like with Dave? It's kind of a... Uh, Hold on as you record because he gets he gets going. It's kind of really awesome to see. I w I loved all those records he made. Matter Modern Sounds and Traveler was insane and and I always wondered, man. I'm like, what? All these albums just who's ever putting this stuff together is killing it. And you understand why once you get in there. He is he's very energetic, but in a in a healthy way. There's no toxic positivity, you know. Yes. And I think that's uh, that's huge. So the first time around was a little weird because we were I didn't really know him for too long. And but by the end of it, yeah, it was like kind of going in there, seeing a friend who just knows where he could take you musically. It's a it's kind of a weird thing because I'm all my friends when we were putting this whole thing together up there in Michigan. None of us knew what the hell we were doing. And if you ask Dave, he'll say that, too. But I think he I think he likes to play it down a little bit. <laughs> Like, he says he doesn't know what he's doing, really. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's his, he says producing is acting like you know what you're doing. Were there things that, I mean, uh, you guys have been playing together for so long with the, the methods and, the, I guess, the tools that you had, that, you know, that you had available to you. But, like, you get into some studio situations in a place like Nashville, and all of a sudden all these different sounds are possible just because of 
like, you know, different amps, different microphones and different techniques that a producer's got. How would you say how would you say you were able to evolve the sound a little bit through recording this way? Drastically. Um we got into this southern rock kick for a minute. And when we got into the studio, that really kind of fell apart because those guys wrote songs a lot different than than what I did when we put them together as a band. So we got into this kind of thing where it was um, more rootsy, I'd say, uh, with flat wound strings, hollow body guitars, more present bass lines. And I loved it because I didn't see it coming. We went in there thinking we were going to cut kind of... The the song Machine is what I thought we were really going to cut. Even though that does have a very present bass line, that's kind of what I was like, all right, that that's kind of like that ZZ Top kind of um, blues rock thing. And mm-hmm. then we got into this thing that kind of sounded a little bit like, uh, I guess, the band a little bit or maybe kind of CCR where it was more more about a song. It wasn't so much about how cool the guitar sounds. So we got yeah. this thing and we've carried that with us ever since we left there. And I think it was huge that the instrumentation is always, always about the song and the tools he kind of showed us to use. We've used the hell out of them now. And I'm I'm really excited for album number two. I feel like it's going to be, it's gonna, we're going to be able to get to work right away. I'd say we left there with kind of like a starter pack, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask about a couple of a couple other tracks on the album. Well, we got you the title track Factories Farms and Amphetamines is is pretty brutally honest about the realities of addiction. I feel like generationally this subject is just coming up a lot more in songwriting than it used to i mean not that there haven't always been songs about about uh white lines and in the george jones context but you know people really kind of working out the opioid epidemic in in real time and and matthews and the the consequences that that's had for our towns why did you why did you choose to center the album on that song for the title track I'd say the uh, the real reason, and I was trying to figure out how to really describe where we're from. That was the three, the three big things that kind of came to mind, mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse. And when I sat down to write it, it became the song that goes in between living straight and living not straight. And uh, it's weird because it's a song that goes in and out of fiction, along with in and out of the two ways of living that I saw. If this was going to be a song or an album kind of based around stories about home, we felt like that'd be a good title, and it had it had the ring to it too. This is this is the Midwest thing that I that I found. You know, there's plenty of people who have different takes on stuff. People that live up north of Michigan probably have a lot different take. You know, or on the the east side. Sure, we're just right above Indiana. It's really flat, and a lot of people just work in factories and just kind of do the whole flat Midwest thing. You know, and that song was kind of the best I could describe where I was from while using a little bit of fiction and a little bit of fact. 
We need to take a short break. More with Myron Elkins in just a minute. When the sun goes down on Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. There's nothing quite like a home audience to uh, to to check in with you <laughs> when you're writing songs about yeah. the place that you're from. Do you ever do you ever worry about folks from home being critical of of your you know just your candor in in how you're writing about this stuff? You did just say that like you know some of this is is fictionalized in the way that you the way that you talk about it in the song. Yeah, the thing I, I wasn't really uh, I never really got into uh, some people had like a community around school and they had kind of like family friends and stuff. And we didn't have too much of that, really. We were always just in a little bubble. And I think that's that's good if you want to end up where I end up. I think it's good to not have too much people checking you, you know, because a lot of these songwriters that I loved and stuff, they were just writing fictional tales and then you end up believing them you know like johnny cash i always thought that guy went to prison right and i thought he thought he did all that and then it turns out he barely even wrote the song you know um <laughs> i'd say maybe my 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 stories are coming from a little bit more real place than like false prison blues but uh so yeah, I, I don't have much pressure coming from that kind of thing, just because my lack of, I guess, notoriety around there. Right. Do you find having recorded the record in Nashville now, and having having a chance to see things through a different lens, do you view any of the songs on the record differently after refining them away from home? No, I wouldn't say so. There are songs that kind of took a new. Yeah, no, I'd say everything was pretty solid. Especially some of them even got more solidified. Like Nashville Money. I wrote it and I was like, this feels right. And then as soon as we did that song, I'm like, oh, that, yeah, thank God I was right. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, that song even got more solidified. Um, nothing really took on a new meaning, though, or nothing like that. But I have had songs like uh, Hands to Myself, where I wrote it, carried that thing around like a kid carries a blanket, I guess. And <laughs> I figured out. Uh, I'm like, why did I, why would I, why would I write something like that? And then it's out there now, but I, my mom had a friend who was going through crazy stuff, kind of domestic violence issues. And 
she stayed with us for a while. It's such a crazy song because it is, I mean, it is it is about this very serious subject, but it's told from the perspective of an abuser. And it's all it's all dressed up in a really upbeat kind of groove. Was that something that emerged in the production process or, or something you had been thinking about you'd like to do with the song? No, no, that's 100% Dave Cobb. That's that's why I think that's why he is where he is. Because when I, I wrote that song, it's very similar. It's got the, the same chords, the same rhythm. Um, I played it, and then when it started coming together, he said Rolling Stones. He said um, one of their big songs. It's got It's got the drum beat. It's got the same exact drum beat. He said that's what we're going for. And we were working with a, a bass player who was his buddy. He played on Southeastern and he played on all this crazy stuff. That's who you can think all those groovy bass lines do. Because we didn't have a bass player at the time. Our bass player started drinking and we had to find somebody new. Mm-hmm. So we started recording that song. I'm like, wow, what the hell is this? That ain't right. You know, like everything was telling me like that ain't right. <laughs> and we got done with it. I'm like. That's the most confusing. It's going to be the most misunderstood song we ever do, for sure. Because everything I know, or a lot of the stuff I know, all the country music, when there's a sad song, you know it's a sad song. You got the steel guitar and you got the fiddles. And this song completely ran away from that 100%. I would say I think Dave just heard it right away. And that was one of the many times we were working with that guy. And we were just like, ah, I think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> That's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Bear. Our arts and culture coverage is funded in part by the Michigan Arts and Culture Council. You can find full Stateside episodes to listen to, including music and other art stories at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Ronia Kavansak. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Thanks so much for listening and have a fantastic weekend out there. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.